Well, good morning, Fairfax Bible. Good morning. morning. It is uh, good, to, good to be with you all. Uh, as as uh, mentioned earlier, my name is Will. Uh, I pastor New City Fellowship out in Manassas, so just uh, a town up from you all. And uh, I'm out here this morning with one of my four, my eight-year-old. She's back in uh, elementary class with uh, the rest of the kids this morning. And she did just give a, a little compliment. I just want to bless you all with this morning. You know, she doesn't get to see a lot of other churches. And so, you know, just during worship, I said, Emily, hey, what do you, what do you think about, you know, th- this church? What are your thoughts? She said, mm, it's fancy here. So um, I don't know if you regard yourselves that way. I asked, like, well, well, is our church fancy? She's like, no, we're special, but we're not fancy. So... Um, I, I don't know if you regard yourself that way or not, um, but being in a, in a different congregation uh, this morning, uh, fancy or not, set that aside, it, it is a beautiful reality that you are indeed God's treasured possession. You are his people, and what a delight it is to move from one group of his people to another and, and just see his work, his joy, uh, uh, his fame here also with you all. And so it's a joy to be here this morning. I was encouraged at a conference earlier this week. I think something we all need to commit, commit to at different churches. When you read the New Testament, what you often see is uh, lots of different churches, but they're not kind of huddled up, you know, unaware of the other things that are happening. Between different churches and cities and regions, there's a real cooperation or partnership We see uh, the sharing of people, the sharing of resources, the sharing of prayers and encouragement. And I think that's something for us to learn here as modern people with modern churches, that we ought to be in cooperation with one another. We ought to recognize God's doing big things in the D.C. area. And uh, I I guess I'm all saying all that to say it's my privilege to be able to be here and be in partnership with you this morning. Um, Can I just ask y'all, just out of a show of hands this morning, has anyone come here, not just like because it's morning, but just in general in life, a little bit tired? Anyone a little bit worn out with the, you know, circumstances of life? I see some newborns out there. You know, I see, uh, you know, some folks that have that have maybe had a difficult year the past couple year, uh, past couple years. This morning, if you're worn out and tired, man, my encouragement to you as we get ready to jump into God's word is to to keep going. I think it's in Galatians six when Paul says, "Do not grow weary in doing good." For in due season, we will reap a, a great harvest if we, if we don't give up. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning. And I want to encourage you towards that reality from the book of Nehemiah. So let me just invite you to turn there. Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to read uh, most of chapter 4 in just a second, and then I'm going to pray. Um, as you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of a very quick overview of uh, what's... See, when my daughter said, y'all are fancy, like it's that kind of thing that's, uh, you know, we don't have that, that at our church, no, I'm, uh, just kidding, Nehemiah 4, jump over there in your Bible, let me give you a quick overview of uh, what's happening here. So God forms the people, the nation of Israel, back uh, many hundreds of years before Nehemiah, and in the giving of the law, how, how this covenant people was supposed to conduct themselves, God does give them a warning, if you turn from me. And if you worship other gods, and if you become like the surrounding nations, you're going to be sent from Israel, you're going to be exiled. Uh, But he gives this promise uh, at the end of Deuteronomy that even in being exiled or sent away because of their sin, God was going to welcome his people back home. One of the major themes throughout the Bible, if you're not familiar with Christianity and you're here this morning, is this, that uh, one of the major themes of the Bible is God welcoming the outcasts 
back home. Uh, From books like Jonah, books like Nehemiah, to stories like the prodigal son, we see that God is in the business of welcoming his people home. And so they had been uprooted, they had been exiled, but they turned from their sins and God was welcoming them back, but their homeland was in disarray. So starting with the temple, uh, uh, under Ezra's leadership, they needed to rebuild the temple, Uh, but that wasn't enough because In those days, if you didn't have a good uh, protective barrier around your city, if you didn't have a wall, you would be subject to sort of any nation passing through, any threat from the surrounding hostile nations, you would be vulnerable to them. And so a great need that existed as the people were coming back home and beginning their lives again as God's people was to build a wall. And so Nehemiah uh, is a book where he is leading God's people to do this construction effort, uh, to, to rebuild the wall so that once again the people of God could resume life as usual. And just a quick summary that gets us to chapter four of Nehemiah uh, unfolds like this. Nehemiah is in uh, a uh, capital city of the Persian empire. He is a cupbearer to the king. He gets news that the, the wall in Jerusalem is in shambles and this grips Nehemiah. He's burdened by it, and so he begins to pray for several months, prayer and fasting, pouring out his heart to God that he would, he would respond. Uh, let that be an encouragement to you. Even as this church, I know, is in transition between leadership and you know, figuring out some things for the future, that's great. May the main thing that you turn to is, would it be prayer during this time for God to, to raise up what's necessary to lead Fairfax Bible to the next uh, chapter that he has for you? But that's what Nehemiah does. He prays, and then as he's with the king, something miraculous happens. The king notices that he's a little bit sad and he begins talking with Nehemiah and he describes the condition of the city of Jerusalem. And the king does two incredible things. One, he permits Nehemiah to go back to his people Uh, But uh, while he's in this conversation with the king, the king also funds the resources, the timber, the uh, all of the things that are needed in order for the wall to be rebuilt. He sends all of that with Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah leaves the king. He goes back and he inspects the wall. Uh, he, He begins calling the people who were in Israel during that time. Uh, to, uh, to this construction project. And so uh, in chapter three, what we see happening is this long list where you see over and over again in Nehemiah chapter three that so-and-so was next to them and they were next to them and they were next to them. And the community is here together rebuilding what had been torn apart during the exile uh, and everything is going well. Everything is finally looking up for the people of God. But then in chapter four, what do we find? This construction project, this call that God had put on them, they begin to face some opposition. And it's in, that, in the midst of opposition that God calls his people to continue the work that he had called them to. And it's there that we'll pick up Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'm going to read this over us this morning, and then I'll pray. So Nehemiah chapter 4, let's read about the opposition that the people face. When Sanballat heard that we were building the wall... He was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what are they doing? If a, what are they building? If a fox goes up on the wall, he will break it down, their stone wall. Verse four, hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. 
Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the brothers. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and the breaches were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted to come together and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lower parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that, the, that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah while they were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. We are separated on the wall, far from one another. And the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. Fairfax Bible, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Let's go before him and just invite him and ask him to speak to us now. Lord, would you now take your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword? Would you take your word that is living and active? Would you take your word that has been breathed out by you, that is profitable for us, your people, for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness? God, would you take your word and speak it to your people in this gathering? We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I picked up this passage a, a number of weeks ago for our church, I was reminded of a time about a year ago where personally I felt like I was just at my end. We had a lot of drama, a lot of controversy, a lot of difficulty through the COVID years. I'm sure y'all know nothing about but uh, we did back in Manassas. And I remember sitting down with an older guy in our church. Uh, he's a uh, chaplain for the military. He's now like a chaplain with SEAL, SEAL Team 6, apparently, something like that. So uh, pretty high up chaplain. And he just gave me a little phrase that stuck with me that I, that I want to leave with you all this morning. Uh, so he, he described how, one, he hates running, but his wife is really into it. She does 
marathons and those types of endurance sports. Uh, do any of you do mar- marathons, half marathons, any Spartan race people or anything like that? All the Spartan people want you to know, yes, I've done the Tough Mudder, the Spartan, right? Uh, endurance sports. He wasn't into that, but for the sake of his marriage, he said that, that he would. And so he starts training for this half marathon. And he was on Quantico at the time, which I'm not allowed to go on Quantico, but I've heard that in the military Quantico, there are these really big hills, and so he's trying to train to just be a good husband, to do this marathon with his wife, but these hills are just destroying him. And so he sits down with a trainer and just asks, hey, you know, I can't keep doing this. What's going on? And he gives him some advice, um, but, he, but he made him make a commitment when he was doing these, these training runs. Hey, when you're running, you need to make a commitment to me right here, right now. Do not go back on your word. Rich, you can never quit running uphill. Yes, you can take breaks. Yes, you can stop for water. Yes, you can walk for a minute, but never quit running uphill. And so Rich took that to heart. He, he did that, and so he would fight, even though everything in his body was screaming to stop on these uphill parts till he could finally get to the top where he could then finally take a break. But then when he got to the top of the hill, or when the hill would begin to turn downward, well, all of a sudden, that screaming urge to quit wasn't quite there as much. Um, he, he might even have acknowledged that going downhill, all of a sudden, he didn't want to not only quit, but it, it turned pleasant all of a sudden. And what he realized in that trainer's advice was, was a couple things. Um, you know, number one, if you can just get over the hill, like, it's going to get easier, it's going to get better, but, but here's the, the bigger thing. It's in that uphill battle, it's in that, uh, that grind, that hustle uphill, that the deepest growth, the deepest transformation is happening. And so he looked to me in the midst of my struggles and my complaints and honestly my desire to quit. And he said, Will, you can never quit running uphill. For the people of Israel, finally they began moving. They saw some progress. Things were going well. But here in Nehemiah chapter 4, The hill turns upwards, and this construction project becomes very difficult, lots of opposition, lots of reasons to quit. But what we see the people of Israel doing as the hill turns upward is we see them continuing in the work that God had called them to. I think our problem, I think especially as, as modern people, as people who are generally used to being very comfortable, we often interpret difficulty or opposition as Perhaps God's saying to us, it's time to stop. It's time to quit. It's time to step away. When in fact, that is the time in which God is doing some of the deepest work in our lives. It's in that uphill battle, in that moment when everything is screaming for us to quit, that God is working most powerfully within us. And so as we get ready to examine this text, can I just ask you all this morning, where are the places in your life where you are running uphill? Is it maybe the vocation that you began with? Is it perhaps marriage? All of a sudden, it's become a real uphill battle to keep going with this thing. Are you running uphill with a sin struggle that's just gotten the best of you enough times that you're about ready to just throw in the towel and be done fighting? Are you running uphill in your relationship with the church? had just disappointments, hurt, frustrations. You've tried and tried again, but it it just keeps being difficult. Man, this is speaking real honestly this morning with your own faith. Or are you beginning to question 
the reality of God, maybe the reality of your salvation, the reality that he even exists, where are you running uphill this morning? What the people of Israel will show us is how keep going because we cannot quit when the hill turns upwards. We cannot quit when it gets hard. That's the time when God is calling us as his people to dig in all the more. But listen, he doesn't just say like that simple piece of advice, don't quit running uphill. In this text, he's going to give us through the example of his people a a bit more help, okay? And so what I want to do as we walk through this passage is just consider five areas briefly, we'll look at each one, that I think will help encourage us to keep going in our own opportunities or our own uh, desires to to step away from what God has called us to. And so how do we keep going when we're running uphill? The first and most obvious that I want to call our attention to is back here at the beginning of the chapter. The way we keep going when things get difficult is that we turn to the Lord in prayer. Were you hoping for something more like a secret or or anything like that? I mean, that's that's it. Here's, I I find for my own life, maybe you have the same struggle, that it's, it's often the simple things that I need to do, but that I often neglect. It's often the simple things like turning to the Lord in prayer that I, that I need to, to engage in to keep going, but those are the things that I often neglect. But I just want you to see the example of prayer that the people demonstrate in this passage. So uh, Tobiah and Sanballat, one, one pastor I heard preaching on this uh, this past week just called them the homies. And uh, they are regularly veering their heads, providing opposition to the construction of the wall. And they begin with these verbal attacks. So they're angry, it says in verse one. They're greatly enraged. They jeer. They're laughing. They're mocking. They're saying things like, what are these you know, weak, feeble Jews gonna do? Are they really, do they really think that they're gonna rebuild this wall? After all this rubble and ruins and it's been burned down, do these people honestly think that they're going to be able to rebuild the wall? And then the other guy jumps in and says, yeah, if even a fox jumps up on this wall, it'll knock the whole thing down. It it sounds like a Twitter feed, okay? That's what it sounds like is happening. They have some opposition to what uh, the people of God are doing, and so they're just verbally attacking. Now, in that moment, there's some options that uh, the people could respond to right then. They could simply say to them, uh, well, hey, Sanballat and Tobiah, let's go take a look at the wall you've built. Uh, Since you're such experts, let's see what kind of construction you've done. Or maybe they could have brought up their heritage. Like, you may not realize this, but uh, our ancestors, people like Solomon, They've built some of the most ornate structures in the history of the world. Like, there's, there's lots of verbal responses they could have entered into. They could have talked amongst themselves. Uh, they, they could have had any of those responses. And yet, I just want you to see the, the, the immediate response of Nehemiah and the people. They're laughing. They're mocking. And so, read verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Their first and immediate response as they face this opposition from people is not to respond to, not to, respond to Tobiah and Sanballat at all. They turn away from these sort of vertical, or sorry, these horizontal uh, taunts and attacks, and they simply turn their attention towards God and say, God, hear this. Respond to this. Fight and work on our behalf. So it begins with these verbal kind of just uh, mocks, and I, and I want you to see the different sort of almost emotional responses that are present in this passage. So first we see here at the beginning in verse 4 that these guys who are opposing them are angry, greatly enraged. They're jeering at the Jews. So they're kind of having like this temper tantrum off to the side about the wall. But then down in verse 6, we see their response. So we built the wall. No drama, 
No temper tantrum, no entering into kind of the fray of that moment. They are simply at peace. It reminds me of what Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 4. You remember what he says about our anxieties and our worries? Do not be anxious about anything, but rather by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The thing that we need when we begin entering into opposition hardship, whether it's from people or just the circumstances of our life, is to not respond to it uh, verbally, not to get anxious about it, but to turn to the Lord in prayer. This passage is going to keep going, and it's going to show how they begin threatening them with violence, and yet the same response here in verse 9. And we prayed, and we prayed to our God and set a guard and protection around them against them day and night. Where do you turn when you begin facing opposition? Where do you look to? Who do you immediately verbalize your struggles to? Our first call is to take it to the Lord in prayer. You guys know that famous hymn, uh, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Do you have uh, trials and temptations? Are there troubles anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's the first thing we do when we face the opposition. We take it to the Lord in prayer. We turn to God. And then secondly, we turn to people. Uh, it may seem like these are contradictory when in fact they work hand in hand. I think sometimes as we quickly run to people when we should have turned to the Lord first. But it begins by them praying but then we see perhaps one of the ways that God answers our prayers, our needs for support, our needs for help when it's getting really hard, is sending his people to us for support in our hour of need. So watch this here in verse 10. It says that those in Judah, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble, and that next phrase, by ourselves, by ourselves. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And so here's this humble acknowledgement. God's called us to something. It's beyond our ability to do by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. So there's this humility that's present in the people to acknowledge that. But then I love this response. This, is a, this would be a beautiful response for Fairfax Bible Church when someone in your midst is having a hard time. Listen to, to the people down in verse, at verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near came from all directions. So there's this acknowledgement that help is needed. Uh, and then you see the people of God rushing in from all directions to, surprise, to provide support and encouragement during that moment. Brothers and sisters, there are things that God has called us to that, is beyond, that are beyond our ability to do by ourselves. That's why he's placed us in a body in a church, so that when we feel like we can't go forward, when we feel like we want to give up, there will be people who can enter into that moment with us and help us continue going forward. You know, some of you have acknowledged your endurance sports that you've participated in. You know, we've maybe got some half marathoners, some full marathoners, some Spartan race people. I also participate in endurance sports. One of the ones that I do are like challenges at restaurants um, where you need to endure through uh, uh, a menu item, uh, you know, that's like 
an absurd amount of food, and they see if you can finish it. And I remember doing one, uh, just a real pivotal moment in life. I had taken one of these challenges up. My family was there with me at this barbecue place in Texas. It was called the Stanley Williams Burger Challenge, and hats off to Stanley Williams. It's quite a burger. It's low, it's the whole barn, right, is in this thing. It's, it's way too much food, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, uh, show my family that I could do it. And so I enter into this, and about halfway through, I'm just done. But praise God, I had my people with me, my family there to, you know, first of all, my, my wife with her tough love, she, be a man. You, finish, you started this. Your children are watching. Their, their eyes are wide. You know, what, what's gonna what kind of therapy will they need if they watch their father quit at this, at this pivotal moment of life? And so they're encouraging me. My wife is challenging me. Uh, and so finally, I was able uh, to complete it and, you know, finish the thing that I'd set out to do. Now, maybe that endurance sport, praise God, I got it done. I got it done. Maybe to some of us, that's a significant accomplishment. To others of you, maybe, okay, who cares about that? Well, man, there's also been, just speaking real honestly, times in my life when, man, a year into marriage, we had made a terrible mistake. We should not have entered into that. We were ready to throw in the towel, and the people of God rushed in and kept us going through that time. Moments in the seminary where I was tapped, done, ready to quit, and professors that rushed in, just like it says here, to walk with me, encourage me in that moment. Times in ministry when I wanted to throw in the towel, when people were there to rush in and, and provide support. So, brothers and sisters, just hear this this morning. If you're in a place where you're worn out, you're tired, you're ready to throw in the towel, call for some help. Call for some help from some people in this church. Let Fairfax Bible be the kind of church where, number one, the people are humble enough to ask for help when it's needed, and number two, the rest of us are eager enough to jump in and provide support when it's needed. We cannot do the things that God has called us to on our own. We need the support of his people. So number one, we turn to the Lord in prayer. Number two, we uh, turn to his people to find support and help. Uh, Number three, I think a thing that can help us keep going when things get difficult, when we want to quit, is zooming out and focusing on the things in life that truly matter. Here's this description of what the people are going through in this passage. So we, we read it a moment ago, but verse 10, it says, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. So here they are, probably in the hot sun. The threats of the surrounding nations are there, ready to attack them. And they're just loading one brick after another, hands worn out, joints aching, just exhausted, ready to be done. And sometimes with the things that God has called us to, like all we can see is just that next brick, that next marriage conflict, uh, that next holiday season single when we just want to have someone and we maybe will compromise so that we're not alone. And that next uh, you know, difficult Sunday with the thing that we're volunteering in. I don't know what the brick is for you. That next Monday morning where you got to wake up and it, be in the job that you hate. But here's the thing. If God has called us to something and all we can see is that next thing, that next brick, you can be sure we're going to throw in the towel and quit. But watch what Nehemiah calls their attention to down here in verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the, to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. In our next brick, how often we forget about the reality of God. We just forget him altogether. He says, remember the Lord. But I love this part. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Fight for your brothers 
your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. If all we can see is that next thing, you can be sure we're going to quit. But if we can just zoom out for a second and think of the bigger things in life that really matter, uh, the, the bigger things that God has called us to, our homes, our marriages, our children, our church, uh, uh, the Great Commission, the things he's called us to, if we could zoom out from that next brick and see the things that really matter, you can be sure you'll be filled with encouragement to keep going. So let me just encourage you this morning, if you're in a place where you're struggling, you're tired, man, just zoom out, like take, take your focus off that next Monday morning or whatever it is, and remember those things that really matter. Remember your marriages, your sons, your daughters, your homes, all of that, like Nehemiah calls them to here. So moving quickly through this one, but to, to keep going in the things that God has called us to, we've got to turn to the Lord in prayer. We need to turn to his people and rally help when, when we're at a real weak place. We need to remember the things that really matter, the big things in life, the good stuff. Remember those things. And then finally, I want to call us to um, be watchful in the places where we are vulnerable. So here's how this story goes. It begins with them building the wall. Everything's going great. And then they get the Twitter battle, right? The guys are there just popping off, uh, you know, making fun of them, trying to discourage them verbally. But this thing is about to turn violent. So now en the enemies have, have, have begun to scheme a plan to attack the people of Israel. And the real problem right now, like we said, a wall is good for defenses. There's lots of vulnerable places in the wall. It's not complete yet, so they can't really defend themselves. And so they, they come up with a defense plan, how they can kind of you know, keep watch. So, so this is one portrait. It's, it's perhaps the coolest picture in the book of Nehemiah. With one hand, they're holding like um, masonry tools. And with the other hand, they've got like a sword, a spear, uh, you know, some, something like that where they're on defense. So one hand they're building, the other hand they're defending. Uh, and they're watching each other's back and they're, 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 they're being mindful of where the vulnerabilities are that they might attack. Uh, in those big gaps, so as they build, the, the wall might be great over here, but there's a big gap where they could be attacked. Uh, they're keeping watch over those vulnerable places so that if an attack does come, they can blow a trumpet and then call their brothers to run to them and defend them and fight with them during that time. So, so uh, they're, they're aware that an attack could come, and they are watchful. They are on guard in the places where they might be vulnerable to those attacks. Now, let's draw some distinctions with where we find ourselves in our own lives. We're not building a wall. Maybe you are. Maybe you are building a wall. Most of us are not building walls. You know, you're building your, at your vocation. You're building a family. You're building a church uh, here at, at Fairfax Bible. Like, we're, we're building different things. We're not building a wall. And we don't have the homies. We don't have Sam Ballot and Tobiah that are going to come and attack at any, any moment. But the New Testament would describe, especially in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it is. Let me actually just invite you to turn over there. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Doesn't so much describe an enemy like Sanballat, but someone who nonetheless wants to see us destroyed. Read, read what it says here. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. And Fairfax Bible, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Hey, we've got different callings and we've got perhaps a different enemy, but we are under attack nonetheless. Just like the people in that story 
hated God's work and wanted to put it to stop. Our enemy, this one that's prowling like a roaring lion, hates God's work in your life, hates you, in fact, as one of God's people, and will do anything he can to shipwreck your faith and leave you in the gutter. We also have an enemy that is seeking to attack. And so what does Peter say? The same thing that they were called to do back in Nehemiah. Be watchful in the places where you're vulnerable. Can I ask you this question this morning? Are you ever thoughtful about the places in your life where you just know you're vulnerable to attack? Like you, you know if an attack is coming to derail you, to, to, to send you down a path of sin, to send you down a path of discouragement and destruction, are you aware of where those places might be? What are those vulnerable areas of, of, uh, to attack that you need to be mindful of this morning? I mean, for some of you, is it, is it bottles in the cupboard? That when it's just been a real hard week, uh, when it's been a real stressful time, that's the place that you turn to, that you need to make some hard decisions about? That's a vulnerability that will throw you off track? Is it your phone? Is your phone, you just know, your, your screen, whatever it is, it's just a vulnerable place that, that is going to be open to attack. Man, whether it's through something explicit, whether it's through apps that should not be on your phone at all, whether it's just through like disconnecting from life for hours at a time and watching reels. Man, I just speak about myself. I'm trying to deal with my own phone addiction. I read a book that said it's a real good idea. You can actually change your smartphone, your iPhone, to be just black and white. I'm watching like a 1940s iPhone on my, on my I just took the color out because I, man, I'm just, when I should be playing with my kids, I'm watching reels. Take the excitement out of it. Get it out of there. I don't want to be vulnerable there. I, I want to be focused in the places that God has called me to. Is it your phone? It's just loneliness. When you... When you're lonely, man, that is a real opportunity for attack, a real moment when that, that, that lion seems to show its ugly face in your life seeking to devour you. Is it a credit card? Just, man, when, it, when I'm feeling low, just getting something new seems to add a little bit of temporary excitement in my life. What is it for you? Where are the places where you could say, hey, speaking humbly and honestly, if I go down, it's probably coming from there. I know y'all practice small groups here at, at, at a, you know, Fairfax Bible Church. That's phenomenal. I just want to encourage you. Hey, a great and maybe vulnerable, maybe you know, a little bit uncomfortable discussion y'all could have might simply be this. Hey, where for you are those vulnerable places? Can we talk as a group about the places where you're tempted, where you're drawn off course? So that just like in this story, when that temptation comes, you can have people rally around you and be there for you during that moment. I want to just encourage you this morning, like they needed to be in this story. It's not if an attack is coming for you, it's when. Uh, and when it comes, will you have people who can be in your corner encouraging you to keep going in that moment of temptation? You need to be mindful, watchful, sober-minded, like Peter says, in the places in our life that are vulnerable because our adversary, the devil, prowls like a, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour so, how do we keep running when the hill turns vertical? How do we keep going when it gets real hard and we want to quit? We need to be people of prayer. We need to take those concerns and those burdens to the Lord in prayer. We need to be humble and ask for help. We need to remember the things in life that, that really matter. And we need to be watchful in the places where we're vulnerable to attack. One more point, one more thing we can do uh, on this subject of not quitting before, before I close. How, how do we keep going 
when we want to quit. Finally, we fix our eyes on the one who never, ever will. What we don't see a whole lot of here in this chapter, Nehemiah 4, is almost an invisible actor behind the scenes. I mean, the people are doing their due diligence. They're praying. They're rallying help. They're checking their vulnerable places. Like, they're, they're doing their part. But behind the scenes is an invisible actor. And this invisible actor in the book of Nehemiah is sovereignly orchestrating all the events to make sure that his purposes are completed. I want to just flip over here uh, to the moment that they had been waiting for. The thing they had set out to do over here in chapter 6 of Nehemiah in verse 15. It says, exciting news. So the wall was finished. They did it. They didn't quit. They kept going. They completed their job. The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly, they fell greatly in their esteem because they perceived that this work had been accomplished through our diligence. Or this work had been accomplished through our hard work. This work had been accomplished through our faithfulness. Nah, man, it says this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And can I tell you something about the God we serve? What he starts, he finishes. He does not quit. He does not quit on his purposes for the world. He will not quit on his purposes for Fairfax Bible Church. He will not quit on his purposes for you. And in the New Testament, that invisible actor we see here in Nehemiah actually becomes visible in the person of Jesus. And this God we read about in the Old Testament that has a love that reaches through the heavens, this God that finishes what he starts, this God who is abounding in faithfulness and steadfast love, he takes on human form in the person of Jesus. And if you ever needed a picture of someone who does not quit when it gets hard, consider our Lord Jesus. He uh, was born with a human body like us. He took on all the weaknesses and difficulties that you and I face. He was tempted in the worst possible of moments against Satan himself. Not, hadn't eaten for 40 days. Uh, was was an extremely, in an extremely vulnerable moment. And yet he stood steadfast. He did not turn in the moment of temptation. His steadfast love led him to those final moments of his life where he was spit upon, mocked, stripped naked, beaten, but he didn't quit. He was whipped until the skin and the flesh on his back was ripped wide open. He then carried a cross for our purposes this morning up a hill, and he didn't quit walking uphill. He then was nailed to that cross hands and feet, pinned down, lifted up before everyone to see, continued to be mocked and ridiculed in that moment, struggled every single moment to take a breath until he finally breathed his last, saying, what? It is finished. Not I quit, not I'm done, not it's over. It's finished. The work he came to do was completed, and he did not quit until it was done. What was that work? His work was to redeem you from your sins, to provide the atonement necessary for you to be forgiven so that the way could be paved for you 
an outcast, just like the people of Israel, to come back home to God. He then rose from the grave on the third day and ascended into heaven. And guess what he's doing right now? Even right now, even with your failures and your shortcomings from this past week, he still isn't quitting on you. Even after all that, it says that, in the, uh, that right now that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you until you finish your race and you enter into glory forever. This is the God we serve. If you are struggling to keep going, just remember, he will not quit on you. Our God finishes what he starts. And so I want to pray for you in just a moment. Let me just say this real, real briefly before I do. I don't know who's here this morning. There may be some of you that are exploring Christianity, you're exploring the faith, you're exploring Jesus, and I'm talking to all these people about how they need to finish. Y'all need to finish your race. Keep going in the things that God has called you to. Run to the end. There may be others of you in this room, though, where it's not about finishing, it's actually about starting. I want to just put the opportunity out there this morning. If you are far away from God, if you're uh, at a place in your life where you've been wandering away from him for a long time, you can begin this morning. You can begin this race. It's not easy. But like we sang at the beginning, it, it is the best. Jesus is better than anything. And so if you're this, here this morning, you'd like to begin a relationship with God. This is how that works. It begins by acknowledging you're a sinful person. You cannot save yourself. There's no amount of good works that you can do to make God happy with you or please you. Your debts against God for the many sins you've committed could never be paid for on your own. But you look away from yourself and you look to Jesus and you say what he did on that cross and through him rising from the grave on the third day, that was sufficient to save me. I believe that that work that Jesus did on my behalf is sufficient to save me. If you would put your faith in that this morning, you can begin, as so many in this room have, a real, thriving, dynamic relationship with God. Let me just pray then to that end. If you're, if you're here this morning, maybe, maybe you're ready to begin. I want to pray for some, uh, some of you others that are maybe ready to quit. You've begun, but you're ready to quit. Man, let me just pray for you that, that God would meet you even here in this moment. Lord, I want to begin by praying for those in this room that are ready to begin. Lord, would they hear the invitation from you, that if they would turn from their sins and trust Jesus, they would be saved from it all, they'd be given a brand new life, they'd be given eternity with you. Lord, would you meet and minister in this moment to people who perhaps might be ready to begin. And Lord, I do just pray for brothers and sisters in this room. They've begun, but it's gotten hard. Maybe it's their, their faith, their relationship with you. It's just, at a, it's just at a low place right now. You feel like you're far from them. Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged this morning, that it's not about how hard they chase after you, but what you've done to permanently fix your love on them, God. You have permanently fixed your love on your people. You will not break it. Your love is steadfast. It cannot be broken. I pray they'd be encouraged in that. And recognizing that you will not quit on them, I pray that they'll be given the, uh, what they need to, to keep going in the places that you've called them to, whether it's their faith, marriage, a difficult kid, an illness that they're facing, whatever it is, God, a difficult job, just something where they're ready to throw in the towel. Lord, would they find encouragement in you this morning? Would you do that for us now? We pray in Jesus' name.